Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? It is the Tuesday, June 6th edition of the Fightful MMA podcast. Oh, my goodness. Do we have lots to talk about today? Uh, you know, Sean Ross Sapp here. I don't know what he's wearing. I got my WEC shirt on, ladies and gentlemen. Never forget the WEC old school Dave Schaller sent me a bunch of stuff a while back. Uh, but speaking of Dave Schaller, a guy that he dealt with a long time ago, Sean, Demetrius Johnson. First things first, how are you, sir? I'm good. My My mic was muted, but... I'm not wearing a WEC shirt because I'm not a mark like you. Instead, the 1992 United States of America Dream Team. How about that one? How can you not love the WEC and all it brought us, including the man that we will talk about right off the top of the show here who has raised his fair share of headlines over the past 48 hours. Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson is not happy with the Ultimate Fighting Championship. He posted a diatribe of diatribes, just basically giving us a behind-the-scenes view, a dirty laundry list of stuff, of issues he's had with the UFC, with the matchmaking team, and obviously what I believe is Dana White uh, potentially getting personal with uh, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. I mean, what, what do you think of all this? If you've been in the media or really known anybody that has competed in the UFC and had extended conversations with Dana White, as you have, you know that this type of thing has happened before. Maybe people just weren't as willing to speak up as Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson is. Do I think Demetrius Johnson is right? Yeah, I would. If I were to put like a, a meter of right to wrong, I'd put Demetrius up there about ninety percent. There are a few things where the 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 UFC could say, well, it's up to us, and that that's true. There's so much to dissect in this. We're going to spend a lot of time on this because I think it's it's a conversation that needed to happen, and it's a big thing. It's, it's a big moment. Demetrius Johnson should have been one of those faces with whatever Fighters Association was planned because this is that type of situation. Them telling him who, he, who he's supposed to fight, well, that's one thing. 
then switching it, that's another thing. Then switching it back, that's another thing. There, there, there are so many facets to this, Joe. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about it, honestly. I, I listen. This is a topic that's been uh, discussed at length uh, over, m- maybe not at length, but in terms of a variety of podcasts, not just ours, but over the years, uh, it is something that has always. And I think we're just getting closer and closer to these fighters beginning to band together, with the exception of one caveat, Sean. The people that speak out the most are the ones that have the money. They're the ones that are making more money. Um, they're the ones that, that can say, you know what, I've got some money aside. I can live pretty good should this end right now. Uh, Demetrius Johnson has made some coin, uh, and he's been very smart with his money to my understanding. Uh, the issue now is that he's had enough. Uh, and, and you and I, you, you came up with some really good ideas for the UFC mass marketing machine to get behind Demetrius Johnson because he's such a small fighter. You know, it's the old Texas adage, we like everything big in Texas. Well, it's, it's also an American adage where, you know, bigger is better. Uh, Demetrius Johnson is a small guy. But arguably the best pound for pound fighter in the sport right now. Uh, he's he's set to to break a title defense record. And the, I mean, the kid is absolutely magical whenever he competes. He's absolutely fantastic. But you know that hammer that is Dana White. He's had enough. You know he's he's tired of being bullied. Uh, now do do you want to take you know people can take the side of the UFC if they like and say look this is our organization. We're not MMA. We're the UFC. So the UFC you work for us. We tell you who you're going to fight. Because this is what's going to be beneficial for us. I don't know how Ray Borg versus Demetrius Johnson is beneficial to the UFC as opposed to Demetrius fighting TJ. But, T- or, but Demetrius has made some valid points. TJ's never fought at, at the division. He's never made the weight. You're putting my legacy at stake here by a guy not making weight that then I'll then still have to fight. And if I beat him, it does nothing. So I'm sacrificing all this. You guys aren't behind the, 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 the flyweight division. You're not marketing us. Demetrius has a lot of valid points here. If I'm TJ Dillashaw and I really want this fight, I start cutting weight tomorrow. I take a video of myself hitting 125 on the nose. Then say, oh, who you running from, Demetrius? Even if Demetrius isn't running from anybody, you, you drum that up. The, the situation that occurred was Demetrius Johnson went to the UFC and said, let's book a fight against Sergio Pettis. He has a name, particularly his last name. He's on an impressive win streak. Let's do it. The UFC said, no, we want to go with Ray Borg, who I have said the most, the, the biggest opportunity Ray Borg has to be marketable is if the UFC tells him to eliminate the A from his name. So he can be Ryborg, and maybe they can get some confusion buys out of it. That's really his only chance. I like he, it. He's won two in a row. He missed weight against Luis Smoka. He missed weight against Gene Herrera. So he's won three of four and actually made flyweight in one win. One win over that four-fight winning streak. He has made flyweight twice in two years, two and a half years or so. I understand. He's he's an okay guy to put in there because he beat Smoka, he beat Formiga. Definitely, definitely worthy of a title shot in that regard. Can he make the weight? That's also questionable. Because he was he was like at one twenty nine against Smoka. So after Demetrius Johnson said, Okay, I'll fight Ray Borg, they said, No, we want you to fight TJ Dillashaw. And he says, Well, if I'm gonna do that, I would much rather just face Cody Garbrandt. Understandable. That's a champion. Cody Garbrandt says he can make it to 125. 
to me, it's not like Demetrius Johnson is turning these things down without a better solution. He offered better solutions. Even though he accepted the fight with Ray Borg, he also said, you know, I'd rather face Sergio Pettis. I think that would be the better fight. I think that would be better for numbers. If you want me to fight Dillashaw, I'd like him to make weight. Yeah, definitely. I'd like him to compete in the division. Like him to compete in the division. And and he says it's more about him making the weight, showing he can make the flyweight limit than anything. And if he also said, give me Gar, Garbrand instead, give me the champion. Let me break this record, which they know is important to him. And here's the real concerning thing. He says, he claims that Dana White threatened to scrap the entire flyweight division. That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, is, yeah. but it's very believable. It's 100% believable because when Dana gets hot, he gets hot and he'll just say stuff because he doesn't have any sort of – there are no real repercussions when Dana White goes off. It doesn't matter. He's always been that way. He doesn't care. Above all, I mean if we step aside for one moment and take a look at who Dana White is and where he came from, I mean, you're talking about a guy now that's got hundreds of millions of dollars uh, you know. He's worth his net worth is absolutely astronomical in comparison to the average Joe. He's not going to lose that money anytime soon unless he keeps going and playing the blackjack tables. I mean that that'll get him in trouble uh, all day long. But at the same time, he doesn't care what he says. He can say whatever he wants. Uh, Post right now on the live chat saying you know he's a promoter and he's got to sell bullshit. He's a spin doctor. He will always be a spin doctor. And what Dana White says to the media. Uh, what Dana White says in interviews, uh, whether it's large outlets, be it ESPN or whatever, people are going to consume that. And whether they believe it or not, they will take it as true. They'll say Dana White said this. This is what we should be thinking or talking about. When he comes out after after you know, Demetrius said, I'm not I don't want to fight T.J. Dillashaw. If you want me to fight T.J. Dillashaw, here's what makes sense to me for my career and for the division. And Dana said no. And then goes out and apparently says to the media, uh, D- Demetrius Johnson's fighting TJ Dillashaw next. And Demetrius right away posts, uh, no, that's not what I said. Now you're bullying me through the media. So Dana White can say and, do, and, and basically do whatever he wants because he can. We allow him to do that. Uh, everyone allows him to do that. He's just going to do it because he doesn't care. And he, he's, he'll do whatever he can to get his way. This is not the first time he has gone in front of microphones and cameras uh, and voiced his opinion when he's been potentially wrong. I've seen him be wrong numerous times, but it doesn't matter. You know why? Because there's a card in Auckland this Saturday. It doesn't matter because there's something happening next week. It doesn't matter because another fighter is going to be stupid and get nailed with performance-enhancing drugs. Stories will always override Dana White. And his availability, uh, and Mike Straw, who's in the live chat right now, knows that his availability is limited now. Back in the day when I was with Sportsnet and covering the Ultimate Fighting Championship, I had exclusives with Dana White every single time I went down to cover event. He would come to the station whenever he was in Canada. He was in Toronto. Uh, you know, After events, there was always a, a scrum. That has changed. Dana White's available for a limited amount of time after the event, and this is the time when we can ask questions. So, for example, if he's only available once a week, if he's going to be at the event, he may not be in Auckland. He may not be at these international events in Singapore. He may only be available in North America uh, in general. So that's the only time we can get a hold of him. The amount of stories that will lead up to asking that question, this Demetrius Johnson situation could die off by the next time we see him. I wonder if the the Dana White scrum situation i think that has a lot to do with the antitrust lawsuit that happened and they didn't want him slipping up and saying some stuff he shouldn't say but how does this play into situations like that where 
And you'll have a lot of people saying, well, you work for the UFC. Yeah, but you're an independent contractor. Ultimately, you're an independent contractor. And that's that's where these fighters have room to say who they should fight and stuff like that. Do I think that any champion should fight the rightful contender? Yeah, but we live in a world where GSP was given a middleweight title fight for a while. Where Dan Henderson was given a middleweight title fight. Where the guy who has the middleweight title was like a... Last minute replacement. So I mean, things happen. Thing the these, it rarely do things always go according to plan. Rarely do things go according exactly the way the UFC planned it. And there there are even more ass, more facets to this because Demetrius talks about how they don't market the flyweight division. They don't. They don't. I would really, really embrace marketing that division. Really little guys that can beat the shit out of everybody that they would walk up to on the street. I mean, there are people that have, like, for better or for worse, there are people who think they can beat up Mighty Mouse Johnson. Oh, legit. Play off of it. I get it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Play off of it. Play off of people's fears, off of their joy. Play off of anything that makes them dislike or like a Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson or a Sergio Pettis. Or a John Moraga, or anybody. Now, those aren't the most marketable dudes, but embrace it as a whole. I, I would do the same thing with the women. These women could take a lot of the men that they would encounter on the street. Embrace that. Market them. Think of something creative. That's why you have these departments. Listen, I don't think it would take anybody, uh, uh, an ounce of, of, of a pill of rocket scientism, to promote this division. It's not that difficult. You've just come up with a fantastic idea. It's an idea that you came up with about a month and a half ago uh, on the podcast. It's not rocket science. It can be done. Why they choose not to is is a tad baffling because you do have a fighter who arguably may go down, Sean, as the greatest of all time. They, He's they, got that opportunity. Joe, they had some people convinced that Ronda Rousey would be a high-level professional boxer. They had people convinced Based on some pad-hitting videos with Edmund Tverdian. She had... Raquel Pennington had to sign an NDA. A non-disclosure so she wouldn't talk about the sparring session. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, that's common. Now, come on. It's not as common as, as they would like you to think. It happens here and there, but... They had people really thinking that she was in there sparring with male top-level boxers, and holding her own. But you think they can't promote a guy who is a one-man wrecking machine at 125 pounds? I brought it up over and over again. He toyed with an Olympic medalist. Like, he did whatever he wanted to do. He beat up Kyoji Horiguchi and said, I'm going to tap you out with one second left, and there's nothing you can do about it. That was epic. Like, he does whatever he wants. I, th- I think there is an extreme amount of marketability in a guy who is 125 pounds, five foot three, and no matter what you want to do, I don't care who you are on the streets. Maybe for a trained MMA fighter, whatever he wants to do to you, he can. If he wants to make you kiss the soles of your feet, you're doing it. I would I would play off of that. Like uh, on the, it's funny because some of my pro wrestling viewers criticize me for bringing up MMA because a lot of the times when the UFC does it right, when they build a fighter, they do it right. 
But uh, I, there's a good pro wrestling example here. In the late 90s, pro wrestling was the land of the Giants. Everybody was big. They were roided out. They were juiced. They were six and a half feet tall. ECW had to make good with what they had, and they had a five foot seven Taz. And Vince McMahon wanted him because they built him so well. He called them his, they were, uh, Taz was their sawed off monster. Like, who would just destroy everybody. Didn't matter how big they were. Like, to really put over how badass this dude was, they actually had Paul Varlins come in and get tapped out by Taz in an ECW match. Why can't Demetrius Johnson be that sawed-off monster? That's exactly what he is. He is a... He's just... It's it's remarkable to me how they can't market this guy. Unbelievable. So... It, it brings me to a point that I've, I had conversations uh, with some people in the industry, uh, specifically off air, a lot of them off the record. Um, I mean, all all signs are pointing to this. I mean, it's not. I'm not stating nothing that doesn't appear obvious, but this is personal for Dana White. He's made this personal. This is not a business decision, which is sort of crazy because Dana White is all about business. But I know one thing about Dana White. People will all, have always asked me, what's Dana White like? And I told them flat out, Dana White's a great guy unless you mess with his business. So something tells me that Demetrius Johnson is messing with Dana White's business and Dana White's now made it personal. Because Dana White, in the blink of an eye, can walk in the morning into the into – the, into the, I almost called it Zufa offices. Can walk into the UFC offices. I don't want to give the alphabet speech again. But can walk into those offices, sit at his desk and just say, you know what? We're going to promote Demetrius Johnson. You know what? We're going to promote this division, and we're going to make a lot more money in doing so. He chooses not to. There's something there that has to be personal for him to say, you know what? Screw you, Demetrius Johnson. As a matter of fact, screw you so much. Screw you and your division and everyone that likes your division. The hell with you in this division. This is a personal thing that Dana White has now gotten emotional about because if he was to remove his emotion from this – you can make Demetrius Johnson – there are so many different ways. You can make it as cheesy as you want. You can get those – what do they have at the uh, the Athlete Summit there? That punch box meter thing where they're punching things. Yeah. Bring on 250-pound average Joes to punch at this thing and then let Demetrius Johnson punch. Do anything and everything that the average Joe can do and watch Demetrius Johnson do it better. And then have these guys spar with Demetrius Johnson. Whatever you want. Demetrius Johnson will embarrass – 99.9% of the average Joe public, as someone could get lucky. Let's be honest, Sean. I mean, just that's just life. But the fact of the matter is, you could make this, like you said, sawed-off giant a superhero, a modern-day superhero. You can. His work nickname's with... Mighty Mouse, for the love of God. I was just gonna get to that. Here, here's a, I mean, here's a so funny. Obvious. Here's a here's a fun fact, Joe. As I'll talk about the the similarities between pro wrestling and MMA, because in this regard, it's important. You got to build somebody. It's all pro wrestling is. For decades, Vince McMahon has wanted a Mighty Mouse character, like that he could model as the little guy who overcomes. And traditionally, he hates little guys, but he's always wanted that one guy. The UFC has what he wanted. Did you know the WWE made a play for Henry Cejudo to be that, and he turned no him down? Yeah, before the UFC. So, so not only <laughs> does the UFC have a guy that WWE wanted. But the guy that they have and is their big star beat the living shit out of that guy that the WWE wanted. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Demetrius also makes a, a, a really good point. 
when he said, how many other sports leagues or entities out there have a star, a number one star, uh, someone that is just the greatest at what they do, and they do nothing to promote them? He's bang on. He's 100% bang on. I mean, we're starting to connect some, some, some dots here. You know, it's starting to realize, wait a second, this has gone more. This is perhaps not just Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson's fault, as many times we've had the conversation of, hey, Demetrius, you got to get out there more. You got to do this. Well, hold on. Maybe he hasn't been allowed to get out there and do more. When we think that Sage Northcutt or Paige Van Zandt or whomever from the UFC is out there doing more, it's because the UFC says, you need to do this, do that, do this, do this. You're going to become a star. But they don't do it for Demetrius Johnson. And I have never seen a more complete fighter in my entire life. His he's size, perfect. His size plays a role in that because it's, but I mean he's, he's just unbelievable. And the thing is, the old bag on him used to be, well he can't finish. He can't finish. That you can't say that anymore. You can't say that anymore. The two people uh, over the past like what three years he hasn't finished are John Dodson and Tim Elliott who. Tim Elliott seems to be a, a bit of an enigma in and out of the cage. So, sure, but he's he's very special, and he needs to be treated as special. And there's there's this argument about whether or not he could be a free agent if they scrap the division. They're not going to scrap the division. There's no way they can now. Not not since DJ put this out there. And I don't think they would have anyway. I think it was one of those little threats. But no, it's hot-headed. Dana just being hot-headed. Vinny Fernando just posted something awesome. Stefan Struve eating Swedish food is more important than promoting one of their champions, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and- it's, it's just ridiculous. You know, I love Stefan. I see him all the time. Not all the time. But I see him often now when I do the Titan FC shows. But it's so true. It's, it, at this point here, after rereading, I read it once, and I read it a second time earlier today before we came on the air. I read... Uh, Demetrius's rant and I'm like oh my gosh this is ridiculous it's crazy things need to change I mean Dana was hot-headed when he said that to Demetrius no ifs ands or buts that's how Dana gets you know I've seen it before I've been the victim of a Dana White rant on an occasion or two where I just looked at the guy and said well I got to keep my mouth shut because I'm about to lose my job if I dare speak up so I'm kind of just looking at him going all right you want to be that way I'll, I'll I'll figure this out, and and, and we, we we you know hashed it out. I've mean, told the story before. We we've hashed it out, but you know I I was at the point where like you can't talk to me like that. That's just you could be hot headed with whoever you want, but I didn't do anything to you. You're just being just being crazy. You're being irrational right now. And I think when Dana White gets put in a corner, or when he has someone that actually stands up to him, you know, we stand up to the bully, the bully starts freaking out. And I yeah, think that's you, what's you here. can't be like that and be in control. You can't do that. It does not work. Me and Jimmy Van disagree with each other all the time about things. Directions of the site, who should be on, what should we should do, uh, anything, content. But one of us can't be hot-headed and him just be like, oh, you don't like my idea, I'm shutting down the whole site. Like, you, I don't like this writer, I'm going to shut down the entire MMA wing of the site. Okay, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. I can't, and it's, I'm glad that Demetrius Johnson brought it to light that it did happen with him in this situation because I feel like Demetrius Johnson is pretty transparent. He doesn't, he's not the type of guy that, that people, exactly. when, when he says things that people are like, oh, well, I question that. 
it's not like a Conor McGregor where people think maybe he's blowing smoke. It's not a Diaz thing where people are like, well, that's the Diaz brothers being Diaz. Not the Chael <laughs> Sonnen thing where people think, well, is he lying or not? This is Demetrius Johnson who, as best we know, hasn't ever really had any issues with, with telling the truth. And why Why should he? He's kicking everybody's ass. What's he got to lie about? He has said on numerous occasions, I need my sponsors. I need my money. Give me my money. I want my money. Give me my money. He's not made any bones about where his allegiances lie. It's his wallet and his family, as, as it should be for a prize fighter. And his legacy. That's his prerogative. So there is no real reason to doubt Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, but somebody will believe anybody. There's always that thing like, Joe, if I came on here right now and I said, Helio Gracie just came back to life and told me he was going to fight next month, there'd be at least one fool that was like, wow, science really developed over the last 24 hours, didn't it? I can't believe this is happening. It's – it – I'm I'm glad Demetrius Johnson brought this to light. Now there there is there is the argument that he should fight whoever they ask him to, but I don't think he's being unreasonable in this regard. I don't think that it's out of the realm of like reason that he says I would like to make sure that this guy makes weight because I'm going to train for this fight to break a record, and if he prevents me from breaking that record, that hurts me, that hurts my wallet, that hurt that hurts my family, that hurts my legacy, that hurts a lot of things. I don't want to go in there and fight a guy who shows up at one thirty. I lose, and it affects my pocketbook down the line. I think that's completely understandable. I'm looking at Demetrius's arguments and points and saying I don't really see anything that's unfair. You know, now uh, we've heard it before. There's this side of the story, that side of the story. The truth somewhere in the middle. Based on your analogy and what I'm saying is, is I think it's skewed over to Demetrius is because all of a sudden he's decided to voice everything out. I mean, it remains to be seen uh, if anyone can get a hold of Dana White because I've tried uh, and nothing happened. Uh, it, it remains to be seen if he's going to voice his opinion on this. And we all know we have to take it with a grain of salt because just take a look at this live chat uh, on the screen. Guys mate and girls, keep keep posting your stuff there. We're reading it as we go along here. If you see my eyeballs moving over this way, it's because I'm reading it. It's on the top right of my screen. But Dana White, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, and technically, Sean Ross Sapp, there's nothing wrong with it. Dana White is a spin doctor. That is his job. That is what that is part of the, the job of being a promoter. You are a spin doctor. Your job is to spin it so you get more sales for pay-per-views. You are there to spin it to make any and every fighter, cough, cough, Ronda Rousey, appear to be absolutely the greatest thing ever. That's just how it is. Okay, I get it. But I'd like to see what Dana White's uh, you know positioning on this is right now. Uh, someone get a camera in front of him or let's hear an interview might happen on UFC unfiltered. I don't know, but I'd love to hear it and, and see what he has to say. He may just go off, but it's up to us. Every single one of our d- individuals that are listening to me right now and watching me right now, it is up to you to determine whether you choose to read between the lines or not and believe or disbelieve Dana White. Yeah. Yeah. It needed to be said. Dana White's doing what he does. I, the threatening to pull the division, we could always do without that. We could always do without that. Uh, Joe, however, we did speak to a guy who's uh, fighting next month, specifically you did actually, about this situation, about his training camp, about a lot of different things. It's our old buddy, Elias 
Theodoru. He's still a part of the Fightful family, you guys. Check this out. Uh, about I think uh, Joe spoke with him for about 10 minutes about any number of things, including UFC 212 in Brazil. Well, as always, it's a pleasure. People always, uh, especially Sean Ross Sapp, yells, yo boy, whenever he mentions Elias Theodoro and yours truly. Uh, glad to have him back here on the Holy Smokes podcast. Uh, Elias, how are you, sir? Uh, fantastic. A little skinnier than when we last met, uh, last saw each other, but doing great. Uh, you're getting close to the fight. We're getting closer to the fight. How, how's the training camp for Brad Tavares going? Good. Um, every single day, just chipping away at it. Um, gone are... Uh, Again, when you start a training camp, in many ways, it's a spaghetti rule. You throw everything on the wall and see what sticks. And uh, at this point, with about five, six weeks out, uh, I know what the game plan is, and I'm just doing it every single day. The game plan itself, obviously, you're not going to have to, you're not asking you to give anything away. Did, you, did it change from before training camp started to after you realize, oh, wait a second, got to work on this, got to work on that? Or, you, or did you already have an inclination like, you know what, I already know what I'm going to do with this guy? Well, I have my style, obviously. Um, I think uh, in many ways, um, there's obviously that base that, that, that comes in there beforehand, but there's specific things that kind of get added throughout and uh, certain like principles that I just kind of work on throughout the camp. And, uh, you know, let's say if it was getting to take a certain amount of takedowns every round, getting a certain amount of uh, attacks every round, uh, whatever the case may be, um, it's just certain uh, tenets, principles throughout camp that I just kind of follow. Um, you posted on your Instagram, for those that don't know, at Elias Theodoro. Um, Yusada came for a visit. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, no. Um, it was actually funny because for whatever reason, uh, they didn't um, – there was some kind of like mix-up. They couldn't find my place, and they called me. They are like, uh, can, you guys, can you come in? And then I was like, yeah. So it was a weird uh, little mix-up uh, in regards to uh, they couldn't find my actual house. And TriStar is right next to it. So they're like, well, can you just come in because uh, we can't, we couldn't find you? And I was like, yeah, no problem. So I helped out Yusada this time around. <laughs> <laughs> when you say, can you just come in, like, I don't understand, go to the gym? Uh, go to the gym, yeah, because they were going to go to the gym anyways. And they were going to, you know, test me for that that point in time anyways they were just like okay well we couldn't find you so we were just going to test you and i couldn't uh train in the afternoon yesterday i had to do an early session anyways so i was like uh i'm coming in anyways so i'll do this so it kind of worked out uh was it urine and blood or both uh just urine oh my gosh i don't even want to know how that works they just they follow you into the bathroom uh, one fake cock ruined it for everyone <laughs> That's terrible. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but overall, so I am taking a look. I see you're, you're training with Crew Ash. In terms of the training camp, is it the same as the last few where you'll be you kind of balance within TriStar uh, and obviously, you know, lockdown here? Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's exactly what it is. Um, I've been doing much of my camp here. Um, obviously, with uh, someone like Misha and a couple of my other training partners down in Toronto who just recently had fights, um, obviously – uh, the need to be here where there's many more, uh, you know, bodies to work with. Uh, obviously, Faraz, Kurash, like you mentioned. I had um, Lachlan, Chad Pearson uh, come down along with my um, uh, performance coach, uh, Tony uh, Ricci, who also came down as well. Um, we all, we're starting to use, uh, I got it. Uh, it's called Polar Beat. It's really interesting. Um, I, I, 
I've been putting up some really good numbers in regards to just like my volume, my uh, attacks, uh, basically my pace. And now we're actually putting some actual uh, data behind it. Um, I'm, I'm doing ridiculous amounts of punching and kicking every single round and my heartbeat. And uh, we're actually understanding more of my ability to recover. Um, Part of my pace and my ability to put on the pace is just my recovery time. Um, I I can go from like 190 beats down to uh, what's it called? 80 uh, in the matter of seconds. Very cool. Did you say Sean Pearson? Chad Pearson. Chad Pearson, let's say Sean Pearson and I have been talking about him. He's always talking about being a professional athlete. I'm like, whoa, that, you just picked up the pace if you went to go train with the Lions. But okay, Chad Pearson, I understand. Uh, you mentioned uh, Misha Sirkinov. How is he doing? Um, I, a little bit of chatting with him. He's uh, obviously doing a, a tour. Um, I think he went uh, or he's going around Europe right now. So, um, you know, he's holding his head up. He, obviously, he doesn't know. It's one of those things where it's the punch that you don't see gets you um and obviously he didn't see it coming and it just turned out the lights he doesn't really know what happened but um i i know with his um you know dedication and passion for the sport i know he'll be able he'll be someone that'll be able to come back stronger than ever well you talk about someone that has a passion for the sport uh, demetrius johnson has professed that he is a company man he's done everything the ufc has ever asked of him but now he's posted a a fairly large diatribe um, with his you know, problems with the UFC, with his issues with Dana White uh, and all of that. Have you had a chance to read what Demetrius Johnson posted and, and your thoughts? Yeah, no, I read it. I, I've seen what he's done on a couple of the interviews that he's done. Um, hey, that, that's his point of view, and I, told, I understand where he's coming from. Uh, obviously, unfortunately, um, it's one of those things where he's about to break the record of title defenses and, you know, uh, it's one of those things where someone like Sage Northcutt might get a little bit more uh, publicity than him. So I, I can understand his um, his his gripe. Uh, he has been a company man. I've we've all seen him jump, on, uh, you know, take a fight uh, when the when the promotion asked them to because you know injury or uh, fallout uh, at the top of the card. And yes, uh, he might not be one of the top sellers in regards to pay-per-views, uh, not too many, um, you know, casual fans um, watch his fights specifically for his fights, but uh, that could be just the case of uh, the way he's been marketed. Um, the UFC has a huge following. Um, and if you, if they turn on that hose on you, uh, you can definitely get that shine. Uh, obvious example is someone like, uh, Paige Van Zant and Sage, um, you know what I mean? Uh, they've only had a certain amount of fights, uh, and a lot of that is is the marketing aspect um, uh, that this one kind of put it on them. Makes sense. Uh, speaking of guys uh, that have lots of love, and I wanted to bring this up because you and I are both Canadian. Uh, I spoke with Frank Trigg, uh, and we discussed the fact that Yancey Medeiros and Max Holloway from Hawaii – when Yancey Medeiros competed and he emerged victorious in his town, fireworks went off. They basically had fireworks set up for the victory. So that would, and obviously we know Hawaii is an island. So when you see the fireworks at that side of the island, you know Yancey won. And of course, when uh, Max Holloway emerged victorious, became the new featherweight champion, fireworks went off on his side of the island. It's amazing how the Hawaiians get behind their fighters. Obviously, it's an island. It's a smaller area. Canada's big uh, in terms of what you and I have to uh, you know, go through and stuff like that. Um, don't you ever wish something like that could happen in Canada for the fighters? 
Well, I think we have a very passionate um, fighters. Obviously, if fireworks did go off in Toronto and then went off in Calgary, no one would see it because it's just so much bigger. Um, <laughs> so it's. It, 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 I think we have very passionate fi- uh, fight fans. Um, I, I think you and I have been uh, frustrated almost at the, the point where uh, the idea that uh, obviously we are very, very diehard fans and uh, we need some love too. Absolutely. Listen, we want to thank you very much for your time. We know you're in Montreal. I can tell by the background. Uh, I'm not sure if you're more of a clean freak than me. You got Purex back there. You got Lysol wipes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm forever cleaning my desk. And sometimes I think, I don't I can leave it for a couple of days, but it is what it is. No, I'm in the transition. Uh, what's it called? The, this place I'm actually getting ready of, rid of at the end of the month. Um, uh, basically, uh, getting my. I'm actually going to buy a place down here. That's the game plan um, after my uh, next fight. So everything's kind of like slowly being put away and uh, tossed away. Uh, so it's one of those things. So I'm a little embarrassed that you can see all of that. Never be embarrassed for being clean, my friend. You know that. I know that. It's it's actually very good. Uh, you know the ladies love it when a gentleman is clean. Yes, but not the dead plants in the background. I've been bouncing around a lot. And poor bastard's dead. <laughs> we thank you very much for your time. We'll hopefully catch up with you uh, leading up to the fight there. And maybe perhaps uh, we over here at Fightful MMA and the Holy Smokes podcast can probably get to Las Vegas uh, to help cheer you on. But we thank you yes. once again for your time. All right. Well, there's uh, always Friday night and Saturday night and Sunday night to enjoy and celebrate. Uh, hey, there might be fireworks. <laughs> Despite his absolute garbage haircut, Elias is kind of cool. You wish. You keep flying. You just yeah, running through. No, I don't know. It's going to get there. I guess I shouldn't be making any comments regarding people that have hair, but it is what it is. Yeah. Always good to hear from him. Just uh, yeah. about a month away from facing Brad Tavares at International Fight Week. That's something I wanted to ask you. Yep. Last two years, International Fight Week has lost pretty big fights. Now, I, I'm of the belief they should have just moved International Fight Week to the end of the month this year. Well, Okay. I got you. Just, uh, just you know, for the Jones DC fight. Yeah, no, I think it makes sense. I think that the the plan originally, when they did the first few, obviously was uh, to to circle it around the American holiday, right? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's Independence Day uh, for you guys down there, July Fourth. Is that yes. called Independence Day? So that's what they would, you know, basically center it around. There's so many people coming to Las Vegas. Let's take advantage of all the people here, and they're always looking for something to do. You need to come to a UFC event. You also need to come to the UFC Fan Expo. You need to do this and that and blah blah. blah. So that's that's where they, you know, the original idea came from. Um, so I get it. I understand it. They've lost some fights, like you mentioned. Uh, it is a fantastic time. Uh, not just for. I'll say this: if you're a fan of the UFC. Man, International Fight Week is it. It is unbelievable how incredible. You, as a fan, you cannot do everything. You can't be at every single thing you could try. But literally every single day of your four days in Vegas, if you go for four days, every hour has something to do with the UFC. That's how busy they make it. Now imagine your media 
uh, and your job is to cover all the different things, but you've got I don't know, Rashad Evans available at this side of town, John Jones available at this side of town. There's a half an hour or one hour difference between getting from there to there. Or then you got Daniel Cormier and then you got George St. Pierre here. Then you got all these people at the expo that are available to you if you want to go then. If not, you got to go. It's, it was just, it's always mayhem, but it was so much fun. You're beyond exhausted, Sean, beyond exhausted by the time it's fight night. And then you go through a full fight night. You do what you got to do that very first night. Uh, the fight's over. You cover it, blah, blah. And then you finally go to sleep only to do it again the following day with the Ultimate Fighter finale. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds pretty damn crazy. Uh, and they, they they cut down International Fight Week. You don't have the, the back-to-back-to-back nights anymore. Remember that? Our first Three, yeah. our first week. Of fightful last week was internet or last year was international fight week, so Joe and I who typically never do more than two shows together a week. I think we did four or five that week because we did each night, and then we did a preview. I know sometime around that week I did a breaking news on the John Jones failure. Yeah, it was insane. It was absolutely nuts. And I remember our first podcast. We were like, "Yeah, we like to keep these an hour." We went two hours. I think our first show. Yeah, yeah. Ah, we'll, we'll go sixty minutes. Is a pretty good average. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm looking yeah. at the time. I'm like, I'm having fun. This is yeah. crazy. Yeah, it was cool. Um, yeah. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on what Elias was mentioning? In what regard? He's mentioned a lot of stuff. Well, obviously, uh, I think he was choosing his words carefully uh, in terms of Demetrius Johnson's situation. Yeah, he was. He doesn't want to get in the UFC's bad graces, but he, he does have some other stuff going on, but ultimately fighting is what butters his bread. Now, my favorite thing that he said was talking about USADA <laughs> and how one fake dick ruined it for everybody. That's a headline. Thanks, Elias. Hey, Pat Fannin, you want to know what your article assignment is? Elias Theodoru, semicolon. One fake cock ruined it for us all. There we go. Yeah, um, I, I specifically want to ask him. Um, he's a winner of the Ultimate Fighter Nations, obviously Canada versus Australia. Uh, I'll never forget, ever, ever forget um, how I felt one day. We went to a preview. It was a Bobby Razak. I think it was the, the um, Mask movie premiere. If I'm not mistaken, it may have been that. Um, it was in Toronto, and afterwards we went for dinner uh, right across from the from the theater. Um, little restaurant, whatever. We went there, um, and people were coming up to me. Hey, Showdown Joe, how you doing? Love your show. And can I get a picture? And I'm sitting there going, I'm looking at Elias. I'm like, do you guys know who this is? Hey, man, how are you? You want to be Showdown Joe's friends? Or blah. Like, this is the winner of the Ultimate Fighter Canada, Canada versus Australia. Uh, and 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 him and I, we had a conversation, and I specifically said, you know, the the reason why I. Have when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have in Canada, not in the states, but in Canada, why you know my popularity was bigger than most of the fighters, with the exception of George Saint Pierre and a few others, was because my face is on television every day. They see me every day. 
9 o'clock Eastern, I'm on television. Repeats, blah, blah, blah. They see you guys every so often. You know, Mark Bocek. Remember Mark Bocek? Yeah. Mark Bocek and I, Rory McDonald and I, we all had this conversation. And it's like, guys, I'm on the screen all the time. That's why they recognize me. But it broke my heart to be sitting next to a guy who's got this incredible character in Elias Theodoro, a winner of The Ultimate Fighter, a guy that we tried to promote nonstop on the TV show uh, and on the news shows, the 6 o'clock, and the six o'clock, 10 o'clock, and 11 o'clock news shows, which would be like your sports centers. And we did everything we can to promote him, features on the web, but it just didn't resonate yet. You know, so then I asked them specifically. Look, we look, we live in a big country. Canada's huge, obviously. Um, then you get the small island in Hawaii, and the culture down there is that they obviously love their own. Everyone loves their own. That's just a fact. I mean, you take a look at the FIFA World Cup. All of a sudden, you know, it, it doesn't matter what country you're from or what country you live in. You go back to your roots. I know here, you know, I'm, I'm of Italian descent. Canada's not going to make the World Cup. Technically, they're not going to make the World Cup. I'm putting my Italian jersey on. Right, it's the same thing. All the all the Portuguese come out. All the Brazilians come out. All the English wear their jerseys. All the Americans wear their jerseys. So we love where we're from. We love people that you know we resonate with. And in Hawaii, they love their own. And Yancey Medeiros, uh, the love Yancey Medeiros was getting, um, the love that Max Holloway got. Uh, I don't know if I mean we we have Frank Trigg coming up in the show. I asked him the same question. I don't, I don't want to give too much away, Sean, but I just asked Elias. Wouldn't it be nice to get that kind of love? And the funny thing when he mentioned that, well, if, if, if things go off in Calgary, we're not going to see it in Toronto. It's such a big country. I said, no, no it makes total sense. Hawaii is much smaller. But it's amazing what they go through, what they do for their fighters and how much love they have for their fighters. And I just wish it was always like that for every single fighter where they got back to the airport and they come home to a hero's welcome. It circles back to what we talked about at the top of the show, marketing. The UFC has failed to market in Canada, which was once their mecca. I remember events in Toronto seemed like it was like WrestleMania. It was it was huge. There, there's no reason that can't be the case. You have to book smart, you have to book appropriately, and you have to put on fights that people care about. Which we don't necessarily see this Saturday, which is a nice transition. Into what I'll call UFC Yuckland. Because <laughs> this card is not that, like, as far as name value, is not that good. Will there be some good fights? Hell yeah, there will be. Oh, of course there will be. Of course there will be. Uh, am I allowed to say what you what message you sent me regarding the show? Or That's probably not a good idea. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but um, <laughs> there are some good fights, though, Sean. I mean, I, I like some of these fights. It's we the are doing value. a post show. I'll just say that. We're doing a post show. We are doing a post show, but there are names on this show where you're like, have I ever seen this person fight? And you go back and you're like, yep, I saw three of their fights. I don't remember a thing about them. I've got to go back and watch all these fights. But the main event is uh, you and I have joked about this main event being punishment for Derek Lewis. Um, Derek Lewis is doing some pretty good media. I've seen some, some stuff that he's doing out there. It looks pretty good, but I don't think. I think it changes my mind of the type of character this gentleman is. Uh, and he faced Mark Hunt, who uh, he's got one foot out the door. Yeah. I'm puzzled. I'm puzzled by this main event. Not it puzzled. I'm, I'm in punishment for both guys. He's like, all right, we'll have you fight out and maximize dollar value by putting you in a head. We're going to put you against Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis should probably get a title shot at this point. He, he or Nganu, I think, deserve it. Yeah. 
uh, although I had one person argue and say that Ngannou doesn't deserve it because not everybody that beats Arlovsky deserves a title shot. And I was like, everybody that used to beat Noguera got one, so why not? But, um, but Derek Lewis, they're like, okay, you want to talk about Ronda Rousey, our buddy? Well, you're going to get put against Mark Hunt in his home territory. So it's a punishment for both of them, I think, but also a good opportunity for both of them because if Derek Lewis beats Mark Hunt, you got to give him the title shot. I don't care what kind of streak Mark Hunt's on. Heavyweight, different story. Good, solid main event. I'll just say that. Uh, and not often you will hear me say that a guy who... Well, I mean, he's he's got three wins since, like, in the last four years in, in Mark Hunt. And three wins in his last, gosh, what, not seven, nine fights. You won't hear me say, oh, that's a good main event very often. But if it's a guy like Mark Hunt or a guy like Anderson Silva, yeah, I'll, I'll be fine with that. It's, I mean, I don't even know, what the, what's the point of making a prediction on this? Like, why even do it? Because it's... I will ask you this question. If Mark Hunt has reviewed any tape, perhaps just the last fight of Derek Lewis... Go to the body. How many body shots is he going to be throwing? All day. All day, every day. Go to the body. Hell yeah. And will the UFC be happy if Mark Hunt emerges victorious? No. Nope. They want, I'm sure that they have told Derek Lewis, uh, maybe shut the hell up about Ronda Rousey, but they want him to win. They want him to win, deep down. Because, I mean, they're facing a lawsuit. They just tried to file for dismissal, and it went out the window. So he's, he's suing the hell out of them. Going to be a it's... great fight, though, one way or another. Can't wait for this fight. Also... Uh, UFC, pardon me, but go square to hell for running this event at 10 p.m. Eastern for the main card. There is no reason for that. This is in Australia. You ain't got to do that. I would have watched it in the afternoon. What's the time difference, though? I think is it in t- 23 hours? No, no, like no, no, no. That's, that's too much. Hours. Where did I come with that? That was just a <laughs> <laughs> that just came out the wrong way. Is it? I think it's 15 hours, if I'm not mistaken. It's 15 hours. Okay, yeah. I know because I always got to make sure that uh, Anna Bauer, one of our podcast co-hosts, I got to make sure whenever I'm messaging her about assignments and stuff, I have to be like, I hope I don't wake her up. Yeah. Because it's, it's all backwards. But yeah, they could have ran this local time Australia and it would have been fine, I'm sure. And the following week, they're doing it in Singapore. Yeah, and that's going to – that main card starts at 8 a.m. So uh. – yeah, that's uh, that's going to be interesting. Uh, I don't. Needless to say, don't know if we'll be doing that podcast right after the event or not. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I would I, see. I would like to because it would be early. But who knows? I got some other fights on this show, though. Yeah. Well, one thing. Uh, what's the over under on in your mind for Derek Lewis, Mark Hunt? Uh, I'm going to go two and a half rounds. Obviously, I think I don't think this one goes three. Yeah, it's, yeah, I don't think it goes three either. Two and a half rounds. Co-main event, Derek Brunson, Dan Kelly. I'm really liking this Dan Kelly story. This sort of, you have no business fighting these guys. You have no business winning. You shouldn't, you're, you know, you're not the prototypical, you got a dad's bod, blah, 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 blah. 
I like this Dan Kelly story now. I'm really starting to like it. I'm getting behind him, uh, and I'm appreciating. You may not like his style. You may not like the way he fights. You may don't. You, you may despise his footwork. It's judo. That's how judo guys sometimes. Uh, you know, that's how their footwork something ha- sometimes happens when you transition to MMA. I love this guy's story. I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm you know, I like the run that he's on, and Buddy's got a tough guy in Derek Brunson. That's for sure. Yeah, he's won six of seven. If Elias had gotten that fight, that may have been the most hideous fight in the history of the UFC. <laughs> you know, I mean, I love Elias, and he's a great fighter, and so is Dan Kelly. But, man, their styles would have matched up in such a weird manner. I can't imagine how that would have played out. I wanted to see it, though. Like, not like I wouldn't watch it. I would have loved to have seen it. Derek Brunson, I think Derek Brunson can knock him out, and I think he can probably do it pretty violently. I think that's what will happen. I think that uh, Dan Kelly's probably going to get slept in this fight, despite the recent skit of Derek Brunson. Even if he fought the way he did against Robert Whitaker, yeah, Dan Kelly no, but is that was not, insane. Yeah, Dan Kelly is not the technical mastermind that is Robert Whitaker. So, who knows? Well, Derek Brunson fought Robert Whitaker as if it was a three round fight. That was a five round fight. So now he's returning to a three-round fight where he could fight in that manner and be explosive right off the bat and try and knock his head off, right? Big difference. Uh, now, Whitaker obviously is a, just an immaculate striker in comparison to Dan Kelly. Uh, but Dan Kelly may find a way to say, Brunson, come here, Oof, as Pearson would always say to us, Oof, bring him in and beat the crap out of him um, or control him and take him down. So I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, my question when I look at this and think to myself, if Dirk Brunson knocks out Dan Kelly, I want to be a fly in the wall with Rashad Evans and see what goes through his mind or his reaction when he's like, damn, really? Yeah. Yeah. And as we saw from the punch machine stats, Rashad Evans can still hit really hard. Oh yeah. He's as, as, as athletic as they come. Uh, the guy's a specimen. Uh, he always looks good. And uh, again, I've seen him before uh, in Florida. He's always looking good. Obviously, it's father time that is getting the best of him. He just can't you know, compete at the level when he was once a champion. He's still got it, but you know, I don't know if he's got to pull the trigger more uh, or whatever. Uh, guys that do pull the trigger, they don't care, are Dan Hooker and Ross Pearson. This is going to be a fun fight. It will be, and... This is a recurring theme on events of late. I think Ross Pearson's fighting for his job because he's for years he started off in the UFC very hot. Obviously, he won the the lightweight tournament on Tough Nine. Won like four of his first five. Beat guys like like tough guys like Aaron Riley, Dennis Seaver, Spencer Fisher. Like he beat some guys that were real tough outs. And over the past several years, it's been win loss, win loss, win loss, win loss. And then since last July, just bam. And not just that, he hasn't been having like performance of the nights. He hasn't been having like these fights that you look back and you just can't forget. But he lost to Will Brooks and, and George Ma- or Jorge Masvidal, whichever you want to call him that day, whichever he doesn't get <laughs> mad about. Uh, and Stevie Ray, who makes tough fights out of anything. And... Dan Hooker's the same way. Dan Hooker's a guy that, that that fights that same way. So Ross Pearson has a pretty good chance of winning this fight, I think, and preserving his job. But it's one of those those backhanded favors the UFC does. We'll give you one more fight, even though you've lost three in a row, you've lost four out of your last five, but it's going to be on this guy's turf. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, you know, Hooker's not fighting for his job, obviously, mm-hmm. although he's alternated wins and losses uh, <laughs> since, what, 2014. Um, He'll just have to wait gonna... until the next time they go to Australia. Yeah, unfortunately. If, if, he, yeah. if he loses. Yeah, I'm actually leaning towards Dan in this fight, believe it or not. That's, a, that's another toss-up for me. The, the Lewis Hunt and the Hooker-Pearson fights are complete toss-ups, in my opinion. Yeah, I can see that argument. Uh, Ian Calaba taking on uh, Henrique Da Silva. Uh, that's one that people are like, why is this on the main card? Yeah. Uh, this is another puzzling <laughs> booking for this show because it's on the main card. It's a Brazilian versus a guy from like Moldova. <laughs> and earlier on the card, you have Zakatau or whatever his name is against Kunimoto. Okay, let's put a guy against Wisconsin against a Japanese guy in Australia. That'll put some butts in the seats. It goes back to this guy that I know. He's a host of a, of a podcast uh, on Fightful. Uh, tons of respect for this kid. Uh, he's younger than me by about 20 years, if I'm not mistaken. Full head of hair. Nice guy. And he said to, you know, we're always talking about how can we improve the UFC? Here I am thinking I want the UFC to stop with this average time of six hours and 42 minutes. We need to figure out some ways. And this guy, Sean Rossap, says to me last podcast, these Fox shows have to be, or these preliminary fight cards, just two fights, one hour. And I thought, that's fantastic. Why? You get rid of Kunimoto versus Zakatao. Yeah. Or Otto. Why have it? Or Odo. Why have, Why have it? it? You're filling up spots. You're filling up space for fights that... Then you then you start a main card at 10 p.m., run six fights on it, with the first being a featherweight fight, the second being a flyweight fight, the fourth being a lightweight fight against two guys who go to decision, uh, despite having uh, pretty exciting styles. Ross Pearson has done nothing but go to decision, like in his last... What seven fights? So it's gonna be a long night. Oh, I hate when you say that. Don't don't <laughs> ki- don't kill our karma. Uh, the good news is that I am home for this one. Uh, I'm not going out and missing the first two or three hours only to come home and have Sean Rossap laugh at me saying, "Yeah, good luck catching up with these 15 minute fights." <laughs> I'll be home for this one here. Uh, kicking off the main card, obviously. Oh no! Whoa! whoa, whoa, whoa. The only fight, not the only fight, but the one fight I'm obviously looking forward to, uh, putting on my Titan FC hat, obviously Timothy Elliott, uh, the champion at 125 pounds before he moved over to the Ultimate Fighter, back to the UFC. Uh, that's Jose Shorty, or Jose Shorty Torres now, two-division champ. But Timmy Elliott uh, taking on Ben Wynn. This is going to be a sick fight, in my High opinion. Level. High level. High level fight. You calling a finish within 15 minutes here? Uh, I don't know about that. Uh man. Ben Wynn, before he got to the – well, actually, in the UFC, he, he, I remember he, he tapped out uh, Benoit and he he won his – he knocked – he knocked uh, gosh, I can't remember his name – out. Knocked him out at the Australian event in 2015, like with one second left, if you remember. And, I mean, he – this is – a lot of people don't realize Ozilich. this. Yes. Ozilich. Ben Wynn, I mean, he's – he lives in Australia. So, I mean, like, that's, this is his, this is like a hometown fight for him, essentially. That's gonna, you would think that that would play into his favor. But, man, Tim Elliott, you never know what he's gonna do. And I just, I just love the way he looked against Demetrius Johnson early. I love the way that he looked against Luis Smoka. 
in uh, April. I love the way that he looked in Titan FC. He got fired from the UFC and just reinvented himself. And now he's a guy that almost everybody looks forward to fighting or looks forward to seeing fights. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, when I used to call his fights at Titan, holy smokes, was it ever fun. There were times I just have to keep my mouth shut. Just, Ladies and gentlemen, just watch this. This guy's crazy. He's a matrix. I can't figure out. There's, you can't speak quick enough for the stuff that he was doing. That's how amazing he was. And like you said, he reinvented himself. He goes back to the UFC and puts on, you know, wins the ultimate fighter and then puts on that fantastic performance versus Demetrius Johnson going the distance. And then unfortunately, uh, he called it, a, what did he call it, a turd of a fight? Yeah. Like <laughs> it wasn't, but it is what it is. Uh, before we move on to the next one, uh, I'm starting to get a bit of a headache right now uh, in looking at the odds for some of these bouts. Unfortunately, most of the books only have the main event and co-main event listed. The rest of the card is not there. That's what even the, the fans putting money down and the bookies think of this card. Yeah. Yeah. Because nobody knows most of the people on the damn show. Uh, you got the John Moraga fight, but have you ever heard of the guy he's fighting? No. <laughs> so there's a real chance to make a name for himself, by the way. Ashkan Makrian? Yeah, I mean, Moraga is... A few years ago, he was competing for the Flyweight Championship. Four years ago now, and we're looking at a fighting-for-your-job situation here. He's He lost to Sergio Pettis, uh, Benavidez. He's, he's had some really tough fights, but... I don't think he was ever on that level, even though he made it to that title fight. He beat Dustin Ortiz and Justin Scoggins, but oh, I think he's—I fa- think he was a great fighter. But yeah. MMA mileage, the thing MMA is he, mileage just caught up to him. The flyweights that he beat were just like right under that upper echelon, in my opinion. Like Chris Carriasso, he got to the title fight, but he wasn't on that level. Justin Scoggins could have been, but he had a lot of other issues, so he never reached that top level. Dustin Ortiz has almost been there. It's like the Formiga situation where he can't piece together three straight wins, so he can't be there. But then he fights Sergio Pettis, fights uh, Joseph Benavidez, he fights John Dodson, he fights Demetrius uh, Johnson, and he, he falters. So this is a real opportunity for his opponent to step up and be able to say immediately, I beat a former flyweight title challenger. Yeah, I mean, Moraga has been fighting since 2009, coming up on eight years in November. He's put in the work. It, it kind of reminds me, is he like a, one of those fighters that, you know, in the old school shoot-a-box sort of way where they would just absolutely beat the crap out of each other during sparring, where then you start realizing later on in your career, you're going to start paying for it. That's what it yeah. seems like to me. So, um, you know, you look at his opponent, he's 13-1. He's never competed in the UFC. He's on a, what, uh, six-fight win streak outside of the UFC. A perfect opportunity to say, hey, here I am. I'm announcing my uh, my entry into the UFC's flyweight division. I just took out a top contender, like you said. So it remains to be seen. Um, you know, you go up and down. Vince Pichel's been around for a while. He's, he's Him and Damian Brown will be the final fight before we head into the main card. But... You know, I I don't know what to say about the rest of this card when you look at it. It's going to be one of those things where you're like, who? But it's these types of, of fight cards that are fantastic. Sometimes they give us the best fights, and it's like a tree falling in a forest. If no one is there, does it really? Does anyone hear it? That that that's what it could be like. And Pichel's fighting for the first time in what three years? Yeah, it's been a while, man. So here's the thing: it's like Anthony Injikwani was his last fight, May 2014. Yeah, yeah. so he's been under UFC contract. For like five years and has fought three times. So that's three times, yeah. He's on the ultimate fighter. Yeah, and Damian Brown, this 
Damian Brown's been very active in that time. Damian Brown was a guy who I remember uh, seeing his name pop up on Australian local results all the time in like 2014, and I was thinking, this guy's got to hang it up because he, he lost like four in a row, five, four in a row, five in a row. Something something happened in 2015 and shot through the roof. He put it together. It just shows you it's it's never too late. Ten and eight, yeah. Ten and eight, and he was like 28, 29 years old. That's the type of age when you got to start figuring it out if you want to make it as a pro. And he's won his last two fights in the UFC, so and become a fixture on these Australian shows. I, I'm I'm leaning towards Damian Brown here because he's been more active, but uh, hey, we're we're finally gonna see what some of these hiatuses like when these people take take two three years off. Is it good for them? Is it bad for them? Well, we know about the ring rust, cage rust. Some believe it's real. Some believe it's not real. Uh, it does remain to be seen. Um, Frank Trigg. I did speak yeah. to Frank Trigg about a variety of things. Uh, love Frank. He travels so much. I just never know where he is at times. Like Elias, it's so it's almost ironic. You got Elias and you got Frank Trigg, who you never know exactly where they are at any one point in time. Uh, but I did get a chance to catch up on Frank Trigg. Uh, I wanted to ask him specifically about what happened at UFC 212. His thoughts on, you know, I didn't I didn't want to sit there and disparage Mario Yamasaki, but I know Frank has this almost like beef, internal beef with Yamasaki because it was Yamasaki that didn't stop the fight. Uh, versus Matt Hughes when Matt Hughes was basically out, and that could have changed Frank Frank Trigg's career, life, millions of dollars he lost because that fight ended up being the momentum swung. He ends up getting choked out, and he's like, man, if you'd have just stopped the fight, I would have been the world champion. Life could have changed, millions of dollars, yada, yada, yada. Frank then becomes a ref, and then we see Yamasaki in the fight uh, you know, versus... um, who was it? Um, Johnny Eduardo was just getting his skull caved in. And he wouldn't stop the fight. Yeah. So I contacted Frank. I said, Frank, man, we got to talk about this. And that you did. Guys, Frank Trigg back on the Fightful Holy Smokes MMA podcast. All right, Frank, I'm not here to disparage Mario, Musa- Mario Yamasaki. Uh, I know it could be a sensitive topic to you sometimes because you and I have talked about it on numerous occasions, how he cost you a million dollars and that Matt Hughes fight would have been a career changer. But uh, I thought I would ask you, based on what happened uh, in Brazil, uh, the Matthew Lopez versus Johnny Eduardo fight, uh, I had tweeted out that you know I, I almost felt like Eduardo took an extra 15 to 20 punches before Mario said, that's enough. Uh, I, I want to get your thoughts on what you recollecting that fight and, and you know the whole situation so i haven't talked to big john mccarthy whenever there's a there's a uh, um uh what i perceive as a problem in the refing or a mistake in the refing whether how small it is or how big it is i call john well john just got back sunday from from uh brazil today's monday obviously he he you gotta give him a second to catch his breath so i'm gonna bombard him right away but obviously i mean everyone that that knows the sport realizes that was way too long. It was way after the stoppage. I was actually yelling at the screen and then probably 20 punches later before he stopped it, you know, like stop the fight. The guy's done. Like he's not moving. He's done. Um, but that's not necessarily mind you first, you have to give Mario the benefit of the doubt. He's there. He's sitting right there. He has a better view than we do. He might see some of the guys defending himself. He's moving around. He's, he's trying to get himself out. We saw it later on 
with the uh, the Aldo Max Holloway fight in the in the in the, uh, in the um, championship bout, where where Aldo literally is underneath covering himself up, looks at Big John McCarthy, turns his head and goes, "I'm fine, I'm fine," and then turns back down and keeps getting bombarded. So as a result, that fight kept going. But we we saw that at home. It was it was clear on the camera that's what was what was happening. But the Eduardo fight, there was nothing clear. So you have to give Mario the benefit of the doubt that he saw something that we didn't see when he was there. But for me sitting on my couch in, in Hawaii, watching it with my friends, it was a very late stoppage. And this is not the first time that, that Mario has done this. It's been a couple times that, that he's had some late stoppages. Fortunately enough, no one's brain has popped out of their ear. So we kind of have to wait to see what happens. Um, if, if, this, if this is a thing, when I talk to John, he says, yeah, it's a problem, then he's already talked to Mario about it. He probably talked to him 35 seconds after the fight was over, had a conversation with him. Uh, and then in the post-fight, you know, when all the refs get together and talk about what happened throughout the night, the judges get together, talk about the scoring, because the scoring was a little weird down there as well with some of those fights, that they all have to go through all, the, all their, their game plans. But, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an issue. And let's be honest, that, that fight with Hughes, when Mario, you know, when Matt was out, and then he ends up beating me anyway – I went through the whole process of like, this is one of the reasons why I ended up be- becoming a ref because there are guys out there uh, getting screwed um, and not just losing money, but shortening careers because you're getting beat up for too long. Um, uh, it, it is a problem. It's a serious problem, but it's fixable. You know, it's not like somebody got their arm broken or somebody got their leg broken because they didn't stop to stop the submission fast enough. It's just took some extra damage, but it's, it's fixable. Uh, Mario can definitely fix his pro- fix the issue if he needs to, uh, but we'll see what happens. Like I said, I got to talk to John to find out exactly what what I didn't see because I you know because I'm on because I'm looking through the TV. But as of right now, man, that was a, that was a late stoppage, and I and I hope when I'm roughing, I don't have that same problem. I I do get get through and get all the the protocols right to stop the fight within three or four punches of when it needs to be stopped. Absolutely, you mentioned Max Holloway, and you you live in Hawaii now. Um, I want to know what your thoughts are on, on his incredible performance uh, versus Jose Aldo Jr. And what kind of impact does Holloway have on the island? Is he that big of a star? Well, they sent UFC sent um, uh, PR people over to meet Max when he landed. They were, they were in Vegas. And they wake up to a text, hey, you're leaving for Honolulu in like eight hours. Get your shit packed. You're going. And so they're in Honolulu. Uh, I know Paige is one of them. I don't know if other people went with her, but she just woke up and was like, "Hey, I gotta go because Max is coming home to Honolulu. This is like a this is like a big deal now in Hawaii. There's been a champ in Hawaii since, and a lot of states can go. Look, we've never had a champ, so what, what's it matter? You know, like what what does it really matter? But if those people don't understand how icon and and just in a um, uh, super brawl and and all these other you know, X1 now and Destiny now that are continuing to fight. There's fights almost every weekend in Hawaii. There's smaller fights, there are pro fights, but there's a lot of fights going off in the state of Hawaii that people fly in from all the other islands, you know, from from uh, Maui and from Kauai, and they come over from the big island. They all come over and fight in in, uh, in Oahu specifically for these fights. Like, it's a big deal. We haven't had a UFC champ since BJ Penn. It's been a long time. There's a lot of great fighters out there that people don't realize that are from the islands that still fight. Travis Brown uh, is one. Brad Tavares, another one. Um, of course, there's several in, in Bellator. I mean, there's, there's like 12 or 13 high-level pros that are fighting out of the state of Hawaii right now. It's it's a huge state for fighting. It's a big state for fighting. And so with a guy like Max Holloway, who's a young kid, he's, you know, he's barely 21 years old. He's a, he's a great kid. He, he's very polite. He's very respectful, but he's very matter-of-factual. He's very honest. 
You know, he lets you know, hey, what's going on? That post-fight speech, I want money and I want the UFC to come to Hawaii, are two things that he's been pushing for years. That he deserves to get paid now as the as the the, the true champ. That he does deserve to get more money because he is that champ, and he it do, it does deserve to come to Hawaii. Like they have they have fights for everybody else in their home states. Why can't it, why can't it happen for Max Holloway as the champ? And of course, you know it, it it leads into the the DJ problem that's going on right now with Mighty Mouse. So that big letter he came out with. I don't recall any media ever go, any PR people ever flying into to to back to uh, Washington for DJ when he gets home to help him get on the media tour. But they're there helping Max right now. As, as you and I are doing this interview, Max is right now being put through a media tour in Honolulu. Of course, my good friend, Rob DeMello at channel two is uh, uh, the guy that I work with is one of the first guys in line because he's been such a big supporter of the fight game. But yeah, they're out there supporting Max right now. It's a, it's a huge deal for the state of Hawaii. It, it is. I, I can't even put it in a measurement of how big a deal it is for him. When he won, when Beganzi Yancey Medeiros won in the in the opening bout. Fireworks are going off in Makaha, where he where he's from. Waimani, where 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 Max is from. Fireworks are going off when he won. So we're talking about people put together fireworks shows for these two guys in the hopes that they win. That they had fireworks already set up, and when they won, they were letting them off. And everybody in town knew why. That was like the signal going across the entire island. Oh, over there, that that's Yancey won. Whether you're watching the fights or not, you knew Yancey won because you saw the fireworks going off. You knew over here when it went off. That Max won. Like, you knew it because you saw it. You could be at your job, and all of a sudden, I got your window, you see the fire going, oh, Max won. Like, the whole state, I all of a sudden picked up on it right away. I, I put a post out there. The entire state cheered at, at, at once, and it was because things like that go off. It is a big deal for the state of Hawaii. And, and to be honest with you, if you look at the weight class, other than a rematch with Aldo or uh, Conor McGregor coming back down and challenging for the belt, Max is going to kind of run through the run through the weight class because he's already run through the weight class. He's off Frankie so Edgar, Say again? He's got Frankie Edgar. That, that's the fight that I want to see. And that's going to be an amazing fight, but I don't necessarily know if that's going to be the fight they're going to put together first because Jose, as the former champ now, gets the right to go, and they've done it before, immediate rematch. And Joe, let's not forget, we haven't seen much of Jose in a long time, but he ran the division for a very long time. He controlled – he's the reason why the featherweights have such a big name. When, when Conor beat him – Obviously, gave the featherweights a bigger name, but it was built up because of Jose. It's a huge deal. He might get the rematch, but then you got Frankie Edgar, and Frankie's a tough fight, man. He's a tough fight for anybody, anybody. But who knows how that one's going to work out. Max is going to have to spend a lot of time on takedown defense and getting off his back if he wants to win that fight. And that's just the way that fight's going to have to go. Sir Franklin Trigg. Love Frank. Who let him move to Hawaii? <laughs> I appreciate. It. I was, I'm going to share it with Frank. Everyone that's on the uh, live chat, they're showing lots of love that they miss Frank. Fightful. Uh, Frank's just a great guy, man. I've known Frank forever, ever and ever and ever. We go way back, and he's always been uh, a close friend and, and just you know a guy that I've known. Considering he's fought GSP, who's another friend. But uh, oh, by the way, I don't think uh, I've made this public yet. So I guess it's the first time I'm, I'm going to be mentioning this. Uh, I'm hosting a gig with Nintendo uh, and George St. Pierre on Thursday in downtown Toronto. Uh, it's for the media. Uh, no, I don't think fans are allowed to go in there, but it has to do with Nintendo, their new gaming console, Switch. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I, they haven't given me the talking points just yet. It's a two-hour gig, but uh, I'll be with George, so I'll be able to get uh, a whole bunch of information, hopefully, from him on the record, off the record. We'll see where it goes from there. Cameras aren't allowed in there uh, unless you're talking about uh, the Switch. So uh, I'll be with uh, George on Thursday. Uh, afternoon. Uh, in terms of Frank, are, yeah, are you getting me a Nintendo Switch? 
Not that I'm aware of. I don't think that's part of the deal. What is this Switch thing? I mean, come on. You know I'm not a gamer. You know I don't know. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I don't that. know. My, my wife is a Nintendo fan. I'm a Sony PlayStation guy. I just got the PlayStation Pro, actually, which is an upgraded PS4. But she she's more of a Nintendo uh, Nintendo girl. I bought her the whatever the most recent uh, the Wii U a few years ago, and yeah, I figured Nintendo Switch is the next thing I'm going to buy her as I'm trying to save up and buy a home. <laughs> so here's my issue. Um, I, as you, as many of you know, I've got a six year old son. He's a mini me. Uh, loves to fight. Loves soccer. Enjoys hockey. Now sort of got into this. To video games, I got or his, his aunt got him a DS. He likes the DS. Uh, his mom buys him a Wii U, uh, and he enjoys the Wii U. Goes to this birthday party. I don't know if you guys have this in the states. It might just be something exclusive up here uh, that's going to expand. I don't know if this is. I should be mentioning this, but an RV shows up. Like a Winnebago shows up to the kids' party. And it's a gaming RV. It's wow. basically the kids go in there. They can hold up to about 30 kids in there. There are screens everywhere. All the different gaming so- consoles. Sounds like everywhere. an abductor's dream is what it well, sounds like. I guess so, yeah. But the kids – so he went to a birthday party and was having so much fun. And he sees the Wii U, which he has. And then he sees uh, – is it called Mario Kart? Mario Kart 8. And he's just going crazy because he's got it on the DS. Right, so he's like, "Daddy comes with Daddy." He goes, can, "Can we get Mario Kart 8? I said, "You know, we can get it. You got to earn it. I want to see your report card. I want you to do good at school for a week, and I'll talk to your teacher." And blah blah. Kid earned it. He earned it. So we got him Mario Kart 8, cool. and we play it and play it and play it. Now, I need to ask you this because uh, you play games. I don't occasionally. I play with him occasionally. Okay, I play with him whenever he's like, "Daddy, would, would you like to play with me?" I said, "Absolutely." Well, you know, I'd rather be outside playing hockey or soccer, but y- y- you did good at school today. We're going to play. Let's play Mario Kart 8. So we play, I guess, multiple player, two players. He whoops my ass. Oh, of course he does. You don't have He's a chance. He's six. You don't have a He's chance. He's six. You don't have a chance. No. Not a single chance. You, I, I'm surprised that you were surprised. He's six. I don't care. You didn't have a chance at no point. He probably banana peeled your ass and everything. Oh, my God. Shot you it's... with a turtle shell. You were, you were, you, no, you had no idea what you were walking into. <laughs> like, how am I in tenth, or how am I, how am I in fourth? And he's always first, second, first, second, first, second. I'm like, you're six. You come up to my hip. This is impossible. I can armbar you if I want. I know you're my son, and you're I, only six. I usually stick to sports games. I, I did buy Tekken Seven last week though, because I'm a Tekken fan. It's the only PlayStation game I can get my wife to play. But uh, yeah, I'm a fan of video games. Okay, so it's not. It's I, I, I'm, this is my ego that's talking. Am I correct? Yeah, oh yeah, you got a huge ego. <laughs> but I'm saying my six-year-old son whoops my ass. Technically speaking, should I not be more intelligent to make the correct decisions? You should just be proud. You should just be proud. Oh my god, it's embarrassing. I can't believe I get my, my son whoops my ass like almost every oh, night. No, my uh, – gosh, well now they're 12 and 13, but when they were 7 or 8, I would play newer games with my niece and nephew and they would just destroy me. Just destroy me. I have a nephew – um, every time you hear about uh, a cyber attack or some 21-year-old destroyed this banking infrastructure or busted into the whatever, the Pentagon, whatever, crazy, crazy things, and then another one gets in there and saves the world, blah, blah, blah. Anytime something like that happens, we're texting each other going, was it, was it you? Or he's, he's 13. 
He's 13. He came to me one day, and I, this is when I had a realization that am I getting old or is this next generation of kids thinking differently than how I grew up? He came to me where, I, where it was a big family dinner, Sean. Um, you know, he knows I'm Showdown Joe, and he knows I'm a UFC guy or MMA guy. Could care less. Doesn't care. He's got things to do, and his mother asked me, "Hey, how's the house things going? I saw a couple of your videos. Do you do you still do all your videos? Do you edit all your videos?" I said, yeah, I got a new one on, on Fightful MMA. Uh, I put it up every Thursday, generally speaking. He's like, "I like those videos. You cut them very nice." He goes, "Even the sports stuff that you do." He goes, you, you, "You're really editing." And he asked me, he goes, "What type of computer do you have, Uncle Joe?" I said, "Well, it's a Mac. All, everything I own is a Mac." He's like, he just looked at me with this disgust in his eye, <laughs> like I was scum. And I said, what, what, it's a Mac. They're, they're great for editing and, and video stuff. And he says to me, he's like, why would you buy a Mac? I said, I need it for work. He's like, they don't get viruses. I said, I, yeah, I know. He goes, why would you want a computer that doesn't get a virus? How are you supposed to fix it if it doesn't get a virus? What? That wasn't a real conversation, was it? I looked at him and, and I said. smacked him. I, well, I can't. But I looked at him. I said. You want a, a, a Windows-based computer or PC so you can create a virus or get a virus and fix it? He's like, what else is there to do? Oh, gosh. I hope you DDT'd him into the ground with no remorse. He's super smart, but like I said, How the running joke, he's 13. Well, he's got five years until that ass kicking's coming. Five years Little little Johnny, what is, what's his name? <laughs> I don't Five want to mention years. his years. Don't get mad at me, but I'll say this. Until you catch those hands from Showdown Joe. But I'll tell you this, though. You, the running joke, Sean, is – and it's not he's not the only one. I'm sure people in chat and probably you've got family members of this nature. When these hacks attack or when these hacks happen, I just – I'm like, is it him? Because he's, he's going to be in the news one day. Yeah. He's that smart. Somebody so. somebody asked who my go-to fighters on the UFC 2 game are. Uh, my two are Luke Rockhold and actually Alex Caceres is very, very good on that game. If you have somebody that's just striking with you, if you're wrestling at all in that game, then it's it's Habib and nobody else pretty much. You go Habib. Uh, Rockhold is still very well-rounded. His leg kicks kill. Oh, Barboza, that's another one. You can leg kick your opponent. Pretty much into submission with him. I, I'm a fan of EA UFC too. It's it's pretty good. But I've Joe, one of those games. You probably have like undisputed or like the first EA UFC. The first one was so bad. Oh. Maybe that's the one I'm in. <laughs> oh, you're in one of them. I'm in one of them. Yeah, I don't know which one it is though. Okay, sorry. Oh, go man. ahead. I didn't realize that. What the hell? Yeah. Are you in like a Canadian version, like as a fighter or like as a personality? I think you were able to select. Uh, I don't know what it was, Sean. I'm not going to lie to you, but apparently someone says, hey, man, we just saw your logo you're, and your name in the game, and no, I'm like, you're, okay. You're the default created character that shows up bald with no facial hair or anything is just standing there. Could be. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anything else before we go, Joe? Obviously, no. UFC Australia coverage this Saturday. We're going to do our best to bring you a post-fight show. If that thing ends at like 2 in the morning, we're just going to hold off and cover it on, on Tuesday. But uh, I believe... Gosh, somebody says SRS is in WWE 2K17. Yeah, people have created me in that game. And really? they'll send me screenshots of like me fighting Matt Riddle and Shane Helms. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, anything else before we go? 
Yeah, just from my end, uh, yeah, there'll be an article that'll be posted on Fightful uh, MMA and Fightful.com uh, probably within uh, either later today, if not first thing tomorrow morning. Uh, another Showdown Joe rant video will go up uh, later this week and uh, probably on Thursday uh, before I go see George St. Pierre. And Friday, generally my Fun Bets article goes up there. Yeah. Uh, it will be a tad difficult this week if these bookies – don't give me more fights. So it'll be probably an expansive edition if I only get a main event and co-main event. Uh, and for those bookies that may be watching right now, you've already been contacted by yours truly. Whichever one of you guys wants to step up. Hey. Business. Get, get, on the, get on the train, guys, while you all have the chance. Uh, Fightful.com is the place to be. I, I say this on every podcast. Go over there. Use those forums. I love how active they've become. We give you something at Fightful.com every day that you'll never see, whether it be MMA, pro wrestling, boxing. We have different kinds of content over there. But guys, I want to thank you all so much for joining us. We plan on being back Saturday. Like I said, plan. And often plans can go awry. But UFC Australia coverage this Saturday, guys. Join us for that. Till next time, we're out. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.